All right, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. So John just got done talking, though, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, about mainly three things we hit on on Wednesday night is sin, and then he was talking about obedience and how important it is that we abide in Christ, that we obey his word, and, and that we're just going to be blessed, right? And he also talked about um, love. And, and, and we're going to continue to talk about God's love today. Let's just read 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 12. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Verse 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. <sighs> Amen? Is that this? <sighs> I love First John. You can't get enough of First John. Um, so John's dealing with really two simple things that we're going to learn of today in, in our passage. The first is love and spiritual maturity in verses 12 to uh, 14. And then love and the world personally. That's going to be in verses 15 to 17. Let's go to love and spiritual maturity here. Turn with me, by the way, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be using it a little bit today. Galatians 5, look at verse 22. A lot of you guys probably memorized this passage, this is a good one. Galatians 5, 22, we need to understand that love and spiritual maturity, they go hand in hand, they go together. And, and I want to show you guys this. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's powerful right there. Um, so you see, his law and his fruit um, speak about love. And, and, and in Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 14. It says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself all the law and all the things that the prophets spoke of can all be fulfilled in one word 
love. And, and this is amplified in Galatians 20, uh, chapter 5, verse 22, where it says, but the fruit of the, of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Notice carefully with me um, that word fruit, right? Notice it's, that noun is singular, right? So notice it's not the fruits of the spirit, right? Which are, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so on. No, it's, it's not the fruits, right? It's singular. So it's the one and only fruits, right? So it's love. It, please understand that there is one fruit, and that is love. And the other eight adjectives basically describe uh, the byproduct, if you will, of love. And, and so they're the evidence, if you will, of love. And this love points to us, uh, the, or really the spiritual maturity that John is talking about uh, back in 1 John. If you want to go back there, go back to 1 John chapter 2. And notice what John is doing here. Notice in verse 12, he says, I write to you. And then go to verse 13. He says, I write to you. Notice in the middle of verse 13, it says, I write to you. And then at the end of verse 13, what does he say? I write to you. And, and notice in verse 14, he says, I have written to you. And notice in the middle of verse 14, he says, I have written to you to you. So the translators, they try to help us here, right, and by changing the tense. And in verses 12 to 13, it's called the present tense, right? We, he writes to them continually. And in verse 14, the tense changes to, I have written to you. So it seems John had written in the past to to them, right? The, get the picture here, get the idea. He has written letters to the children isn't that cool um judy in the children's ministry she sent us letters in the in the mail to my kids and it's like what you got a letter and they're like we got a letter and how cool is that to send letters to children but uh, john wrote to the children he wrote to the young men the teenagers he wrote to the fathers uh previously and so since that's the case i think we really need to pay attention to these things because john knew that repetition they already knew this stuff he's just reminding them and so repetition is it's a it's a safe thing it's a beautiful thing and it's important paul said in philippians 3 uh, verse 1 he said finally my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you, it's not tedious, but for you it is safe. It's safe to hear the word of God. And understand repetition is good for our spiritual maturity as we mature and walk with the Lord in our walks with the Lord. So that's why we come to church, we hear the word of God, right? Um, there's some people who are like, oh, I already heard First John, so I'm not going to come to church today, or I've already read the book of Mark. Why should I go to church today and hear about the book? That's just silliness. That's immature, right? Those of you who are mature, that's why you're here today, because you want to hear the word of God, and we are reminded of the word of God. So John is giving us four levels, if 
you will, of spiritual maturity that I want to show you guys this morning. And they all involve love. The first level that John is speaking to us about, uh, this area, is to the little children. The little children. Notice in verse 12, he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. This word for little children it's used nine times in the New Testament, and that word technion, uh, this word speaks of an infant baby, right? One who's still nursing, they can't take care of themselves, they can't eat for themselves, they can't even walk on their own. They need 100% constant attention, right? You guys, those of you who have infants or had infants, you know what I'm talking about. I have little Ezra Jude, right? He's uh, nine months old, but he sees the fireplace, he looks at me, and then he laughs, and then he starts charging for it. It's like, what What are you doing, right? You'd look this way, and they're going towards the stairs, and it's like, oh, you got to constantly keep an eye on them. It's like they want to die. I don't know. Go ahead, touch it. you got to learn at some point. But no, I wouldn't do that. But in, in the context, I think that, you know, he's speaking about the new believer here, right? And, and, and I, I, I don't they don't understand. They don't know biblical principles. They don't know doctor, doctrinal issues, you know. They're not familiar with Romans and Hebrews and, you know, some of these books that are just jam-packed with doctrine. And, and John wants these new believers to know that their sins are forgiven them, right? That they need to know that their forgiveness is, well, it's not based on performance, right? It's not based on who they are or who they've been or what they've gone through or who they know or any of that stuff, right? But they, they have been forgiven. What does it say in verse 12? For his name's sake, right? It's, uh, it's for God's glory. It's for God's will. They need to know that their sins are forgiven based on Jesus Christ on the cross, right? And what he did for you and I and his perfect work. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So new believers, they often feel condemned because they stumble back into their old sin, right? It's like tradition. You've done this for years. You're professional at it. And then all of a sudden, you become a believer and then you, you're like, well, you just, you're, it's like you naturally just fall back into your, and you're like, what did I do? And then you feel condemned, right? And, and they need to know, they need to understand Psalm 103, verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. In fact, they need to be reminded and understand Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. It says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. But there is a danger with these new believers, right? It's, it's a beautiful thing when you're a new believer. Have you guys, you know, when new believers pray, it's just so, it's pure, it's, you know, it's before the Lord, and they're, they're seeking the word of God, you know, and there's that passion and that desire. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, but there's also a downfall to it as well that they can fall into. Uh, in fact, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, the danger is that they don't grow. They don't mature. And have you ever wondered why some believers, they just don't grow. They don't mature spiritually, 
right? And, and I think the problem is carnality. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, and I, and I, brethren, right, so speaking to the believers, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal As to babies in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal, Paul says to them? You see, carnality, it stops the growth. It stops you from maturing in Christ Jesus. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, if you're quick to turn there, it says in verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil." Right? Those are the believers who choose to think. They choose to use their mind. They choose to take those thoughts captive, right? They exercise their mind daily toward the Lord, right? And toward his word. So the writer of the, of Hebrews is saying, they ought to be mature by now, right? This, that's what he's saying. So the next question would be, well then, how do you grow? How do you mature spiritually in your walk with the Lord, right? Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, chapter 2. Go to chapter 2. New believers, they tend to think they, they grow by doing things for the Lord. And, and that somehow being saved, and all of a sudden it's now up to them, you know, to grow spiritually. And, and, and they fall into that, what I like to call the, the more syndrome, right? The more I pray, the more I'll become like Christ, right? Or the more I read my Bible, or the more I give, right? The more I do, the more I'll become. That's the idea that a, a lot of new believers uh, can fall into, and it's scary. But please understand, family, spiritual maturity is not based on our performance, okay? Growing spiritually is based on the Word of God alone. Let me show you guys. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Look at verse 2. It says, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So there it is, the word and growth, right? You grow by the word of God. And if you don't desire the word of God, you will not grow. That's where I get it from, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. And, and if you can be excited for church, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are excited for church for different, they have different motives for coming to church, right? Oh, I can't wait, the coffee's so good, right? I hope there's cookies out there today or, you know, but if you're coming to church uh, without desiring the word of God, it should be, man, I can't wait to hear the word of God, right? 
that's the right motive that we ought to have. And, and, but that's, that's it. So it's the word of God that grows us. It's the word of God that matures us. And it brings us into that spiritual growth that only the Lord can do in us, right? Um, so the second level, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, and understand it's almost like, you know, the, the vine, right? Grapes, they don't just, you know, push and strive on their own to grow and produce fruit. It's just the Lord naturally doing it supernaturally through us as believers as we get in the Word of God. And so the next uh, level of spiritual maturity involves fathers fathers in verse 13 um, first was the infants right the the babies and look at verse 13 it says I write to you fathers notice in verse 14 by the way I have written to you fathers and so remember John is using contrast here so obviously the infant to the father right and and this is that Jewish style of teaching that they would do back in the day they, they use contrast and so a father the batar is used this word is used 421 times in the New Testament and it speaks of an elder Right? So someone who is ruling over another, like a father ruling over a, his child. right? And we would say someone who is spiritually mature. And understand, one who is spiritually mature knows the Lord. Notice in verse 13, it says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. And look at verse 14. It says, I have written to you fathers because you have known him right who is from the beginning that's what it means to be spiritually mature it involves knowing him in fact this word know gnosko uh, it is used in verses 13 and 14 it it means it carries the idea of knowing jesus christ personally it with a, re, a relationship with Christ, right? By experience. And so it's all about knowing him, learning of him, becoming just like him, doing the things that he does, right? We want to be like Christ in all things. And so uh, notice it's not about performance, though. You guys see that anywhere? I don't see it anywhere. It's not about our own performance that God is excited about, right? If anything, God discourages you trying to be Superman, right? <laughs> He's like, no, it's all about me. All the glory goes to him and not ourselves. So we we, we know him. We, we, we ought to be studying his word, right, and spending quality time with him. Everything we need to know about the Lord and our relationship with him, it's all, it, it, it's all contained right here, guys, in the word of God, right? Everything that we need to know about life and godliness, it's in the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, there it is. And, and so understand, um, and Jesus is, is the word, right? John 1, 1, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He is God. And so please understand, growing in the Lord has nothing to do with age, by the way. A lot of people think, oh, you're 90 years old? Wow, you must be super mature in the word, right? Like, you must be very spiritually mature. No, I know young people that are very, um, very mature compared to other older people, right? So don't think age has anything to do with it. Um, and the more you grow, the more you want to 
be like him, right? And, and how is Christ? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, what was Jesus like? He humbled himself, right? The king of the universe, the creator of the universe, humbled himself and came to us. And he took on, that was the mind of Christ, right? It was a humble mindset. And, and what did he do as well in John chapter 13? He was a servant. He washed the disciples' feet, he came to serve. What? You're, we got to be serving him. He's the king. But yet, we're to follow his example. What about, well, that's a true leader, right? I picture the, 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 the old school wars where they're running into battlefield, right? The leader, a true leader, is leading the way. That's what a leader is, right? The leader's not saying, you guys all go die first, and then I'll run away if you all die. You know? <laughs> He's, God, God says, no, you follow me. I'll show you by my example. And so he leads the way for us, and I think that's so neat. Um, and, and he was content with what God was doing with him. You know, and I think that's so cool. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, when Jesus was in the garden, you guys remember, He's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That ought to be our prayer, right? You want to be like Christ? Let your prayer life be like his prayer life. And it, it was an absolute submission to the Father. And you and I should say, Lord, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want. I want your will to be done. However you want to work in and through me, so be it. Amen? Amen? That's hard to say amen, by the way. If you're able to say that, good on you. That's great. But question, you know, are you willing to submit to him in full surrender? And it's got to be him in you, right? Because we know it's not us. And so are you willing to allow him to do his perfect work in you? And, and do it, you know, uh, surrender to him at work. Whether you're promoted, which is great, or demoted, is it great, right? Whether you're at home, you know, it, it, it's in sickness and, and in health, right? Whatever, you know, God has given you, your body may be falling apart. Is it still, are you still surrendered to him? You know, at, at, uh, when you're alone, whatever it is, are you surrendered to him? Are you constantly giving your life onto the Lord? It's a good question. You know, contentment is a sign of maturity. It really is. The opposite of what of that is it's it's whining and complaining and 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 crying and and moaning about what has happened to me oh my right me myself and I and 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 we all have the tendency to do that right we were all babies at one point but some of us have you know we, we still do it. And, and uh, so we simply understand, you know what? God is in complete control. He knows exactly what he's doing. Job said, hey, when I look up at the stars and I see, you know, he, he saw the universe and everything, he knows the creator. The creator, he's got it. He's got the whole world. He's got it. It's, it's his. And so he knows what he's doing with you and I. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God works all things according to his will? 
And that's what the Bible says. Be okay with whatever God is doing in your life. Be okay with it because he is in complete control. Amen? Amen, church? And and I think we need to understand that. We need more of this type of uh, mature fathers today, too, as well, right? Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So this spiritual maturity is an area God desires all of us to have. And, And as we see the love of Christ through his spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, and it's it was manifested through Christ Jesus, and it should be manifested through us as well. In our actions, do do your actions speak? The love of Christ, right? And what God is doing in your life. Um, The third area of spiritual maturity, go back to 1 John if you're there, is we see it's two young men. Young men. Notice in verse 13, in the middle there, it says, I write to you, young men. Notice in verse 14 in the middle, it says, I write to you, young men. This word young men It's used 10 times in the New Testament, and this is your teenager, right? This is your, to the early 20s, about there. That's kind of what it's referring to. It speaks to that period of time when you're growing the most, right? You're just, you're you're absorbing so much, and and you're also free to take action on your own as well. And uh, by the way, pray for me. I'm going to be in the next two, three weeks. I'm going to be teaching, taking on the, the youth group and encouraging them for now on over there. And, and so I've been praying a lot for them. But that's, they need the word of God, right? And, and pray for our youth, pray for our, the children's ministry. Um, but it speaks of that period of time when they're growing so much, right? And so John uh, attributes three things uh, to these believers that are still growing in the Lord. And number one, they overcome the wicked one. Notice in verse 13, they overcome the wicked one it says I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one they are still young but they understand one thing that they have overcome the wicked one and in Romans chapter 8 verse 37 it says yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us so they understand the the victory that they have is in Christ Jesus, right? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Understand that Satan does not have victory over you and I as the church. Amen? And and he can oppress us, oppress us, but he cannot possess us. He cannot control us. You have to give your will over big time, right? He's got nothing on you. The victory is in Christ on the cross. And so... Let's come to the second thing attributed to them. That is that they are strong. The youth, this young, this young man. At, notice in verse 14 it says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. That word strong means firm. It means 
sure. It's not the dynamite word, the deutimos in the Greek. It's not, you know, speaking of powerful and mighty and strength. It's, it's talking about, you know, these believers, they may be young, but they are firm in their foundation in Christ Jesus, right? They're not tossed to and fro like the child, like the infant, like the new believer, with any wind of doctrine that comes their way. They are standing firm, right? They're rooted and grounded in the word of God. And so let's come to the third attribute here. They have the word abiding in them. The word abiding in them. Notice in verse 14, it says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. So they understand how important the word of God is. And they know how important not to just get into the word of God, but rather allowing the word of God to get into them, right? And, and that the word of God is, is living, that the word of God is powerful, that the word of God is abiding in them, that the word of God is, it's, it's not about just gaining a knowledge, but it's about hearing his voice, right church right that's I think I'm robbing the Lord if I'm just reading and studying but I'm not hearing from him I'm robbing my own personal time what am I doing unless I hear from him I don't want to do any of that I just want to know him I want to hear him right I want it to be real and by the way that's the secret of their strength it's the word of God that is abiding in them and so Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 4 um, he says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. So understand that as we abide in him, he will abide in us. Without Christ, guys, it is impossible to grow. There is no maturity. You're just playing church, right? And so, by the way, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy Okay, then go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, because there's nothing in 2 Timothy that we're going to read. 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. Um, we, we had seen the danger with the new believers, right? And, and, but there's also a danger with these, this, the, these young men, right? The youth. And, and uh, that they're those who have been, they've been growing with the Lord for a while now. And look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 12. It's on page 1543, by the way, if you got a Thompson chain reference. I can hear you guys flipping still. Um, okay, so it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you, uh, Paul says to young Timothy here, by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. And take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And the danger is feeling 
despised. That's the danger for the, the youth, right? They, they feel despised. But don't let anyone despise your youth, Paul says to Timothy. Right? Your level of maturity spiritually. Con- continually give yourself to the word of God, he says, that your progress, your spiritual maturity would be evident to all. And that's pretty neat. Let's come kind of go back to First John chapter 2. The fourth level of spiritual maturity would be little children, little children, um, in verse 13. And this child is not like the other little children that we already talked about. Um, in verse 13, notice it says, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Now notice this word in the Greek is Pedon, pedon. And, and that word is used 51 times in the New Testament. It's a different Greek word than the word used in verse 12. And, and, and so that word implies infants. This word implies young child, right? One who can walk on his own, he can eat on his own, uh, he can talk on his own, he's very immature still, right? I, th- I think of my wife, she just told me, she's a... Um, Malachi, my son's four years old. He woke up in the morning. She's like, oh, I think you got a a spider bite on you. And he's like, yeah, but my webs don't work. (laughs) He thought he would be Spider-Man if he got bit. I think he did that on his own. I don't know. But he's still immature, right? He's got a lot to to grow and know there. But but yeah, there's, there's still people who are very immature, Wives, don't elbow your husbands now. That's not a good thing to do. But this this one can carry a, you can't really carry on a doctrinal conversation for very long, right? And and it, it's just it's just a toddler. Um, so this word speaks of those who are born again. They're 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 not mature. Um, and they're, they're not growing, they're not maturing spiritually like they should be, right? And, and notice in verse 13, it says, because you have known the Father. So yes, they receive Christ Jesus in their life, they be, become born again, but they still use a pacifier. Right? There, there's nothing wrong with a two-year-old using a pacifier, by all means. But if you're 30 years old and you're still at your parents' house, right? There's something wrong. There's something really wrong. And, and, and God is, yikes, right? <laughs> if, if we get into this level of maturity with, with God, God's going to deal with us, by the way. Um, turn to Hebrews chapter 12 to your left. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, understand that this stagnant immaturity is not good. It's not good at all. God will do something to help you and I grow if we're at that level and, and that we might mature. And it's called discipline. Oh, that's an ugly word, right? You guys are like, okay, now I'm out of here. That's it. That was the final straw. Discipline. Oh, it's a beautiful thing though. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 4. Hebrews 12, verse 4. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives." 
By the way, I think the Lord loves some of you a very, a lot, right? There's <laughs> some of you that get chastened and scourged a whole bunch. Um, in Hebrews, look at verse 7. It says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but he for our prophets, that we may be partakers of his holiness." Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So Christianity, right, our, our, our spiritual maturity uh, involves chastening by the Lord, right? But it's, it's always for our benefit. It teaches us, it trains us in righteousness. And let's come to the last, uh, go back to Second John. Let's come to the last, uh, there's only two things that we're learning today. Um, really love and, and uh, spiritual maturity, but also let's come to the second thing here. It's love and the world personally. Let's come to verse 15. It says in verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. And this is a command, by the way. We are to stop loving the world and the things in the world, right? Turn to 1 John chapter 5, about a page over to your right. 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 19. By the way, you are already an enemy of the world, so stop loving the world. The world doesn't love you. The world hates you. The world wants to kill you. So declare war. All right, you're, you're, you take sides, stay on that side, right? That's the idea here. If, if the world loves you, there's a problem. <laughs> there's, there's a big problem, right? When I see on the news, you know, certain Christian artists is before, you know, worldly audience, and they're like, oh, look, ah, we love you. It's like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, anyway, sorry. First John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, We know that we are of God. And that we are, uh, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So this speaks of everything and anything that is not of God. And it's okay to have the things of the world, but as long as the things of the world do not have you and I, right? As long as we're not polishing it and living for it and, you know, stressing over it and dying for it, right? Um, but let's come to, go back to 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 16. Um, and John gives us three specific things here that are worldly. Let's understand which things are, is, what is he talking about, what is worldly? Look at uh, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, let's stop right there. That's the first thing, the, the lust of the flesh, right? And, and that speaks of our natural desire, our sin nature, we're going to be battling with this until we die, by the way, right? And, and Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, oh, there it is. 
It says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So, Whatever we feed is going to be strong. You want to feed the flesh? It's going to be strong. You want to feed the spirit? It's going to be strong. So you, ought, you got to starve the other, right? You got to starve it to death until it dies. And guess what? Once you do that and you wake up in the morning, you got to do it again, right? It's a daily battle uh, that you and I are in. Let's come to the second thing here in 1 John. It's in verse 16. It's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. It speaks of our desires, our wants, right? Our eyes, they're never satisfied with seeing. They, they, they never say enough, the Bible says. And, and nothing, there's nothing wrong with, you know, seeing things, but it's when you see something and you desire it, you want it, you covet after it, right? And, and, and covetousness, that becomes sin. And I, that's, that's something I battle with my children. Why do you want it? It already belongs. It's in the house. You could use it whenever you want, but it has to be mine. <laughs> and it's like, why? It doesn't have to be yours. Why is ownership so important to you, right? But that's, that's all of us. Covetousness runs deep within, you know, all ages. And everybody sees something and they can't just leave it to their neighbor. They need it themselves, right? And, and so you got to battle this. Um, in um, Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? So there it is. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're not going to be in wants. You're not going to want because why? You are satisfied. You're content. You have all that you need for life and godliness containing the word of God. You have everything that you need. So um, where is your desire? You know, are you content with what you have and, and with who you're with? You know, consider that. And let's come to the third thing back in First John chapter 2. It's pride. Pride. The, the pride of life. Um, and this word pride is only used twice in the New Testament, and it means to boast or brag. And it's coupled with the word life. And this word life is our state of existence, our, our livelihood. And this word uh, um, pride and life, you put them together, and it's boasting and bragging and putting our confidence in the things we have, right? I have this job. I have this money. I have this car. I have this house. I have this. Look at me, right? And uh, I'm not perfect. I fall short in that area. When I'm talking to my brothers, my wife rebukes me at the end, and I'm like, oh, how did she know? I didn't even know I was doing that. He'd be, he'd be like, I got a brand new bike. And I'd be like, cool, what kind of bike you got? Yeah, I got this kind of bike. And I don't know that I'm doing that, but I'm trying to, we're, we're topping one another, right? And that's a battle that I have to battle. I'm like, don't do that, right? Just let them tell you what they got and just zip it, right? That's, my wife's like, Josh, you did it again. It's like, oh. Anyways, I don't know why I confessed that to you guys, but there you go. I'm a sinner, okay? All right. So it's boasting in what we have and not in boasting in Jesus Christ, right? That's the pride of life. But guys, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, what does it say? It says, therefore, if 
you, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. Guys, the old is, the things, the old things, they passed away. They're no more. Behold, all things have become new. It's, it's a whole new life in Christ Jesus. When those blinders have been taken off, you see things differently, your perspective's different, right? So let's finish up. Let's go to verse 17. Verse 17, John gives us the reason for not loving the world. And in verse 17, it says, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. In verse 15, he gave us the command to stop loving the world. And this is why it's, it's passing away, right? And in Second Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says that, all the elements, they're going to melt. They're gonna, it's all going to burn up, guys. What are you investing in? Are you choosing to invest in the things that are just going to burn? Or are you going to invest in the things that are going to actually, it's a good investment, right? The things that are going to go on. Um, so it says in verse 17, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And that's the contrast. And may we walk in the will of God. May we abide in him. I challenge you guys to do some homework, right? Students, are we students of the word of God, right? Um, Acts 17, 11, we got to be Bereans, right? Uh, read and study John chapter 15. You will be blessed. And, and, and keep an eye on the key word of abiding. And, and uh, wow, what a blessing that is. But let's stand, guys, and, and uh, um, let's pray, guys. Lord, thank you so much uh, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts, Lord, that we would desire your word. Lord, put a passion within our hearts to grow in you, to study your word, to abide in you, to stay close in fellowship with you. I pray, Lord, that you would ah, do a work with us, Father, whatever it takes. I pray, Lord, that we would grow in you and know you, Father, especially knowing the times that we're in. I pray that you would... Um, by your spirit, Lord, glorify your name in and through our lives, Lord, in our homes, in the, the jobs that we have, in the places we go, and the conversations we have, Lord, and especially this month, Lord, this Christmas season coming up, uh, Lord, that we would be content and that we wouldn't be in want, but rather we would be uh, just loving you, Father, and spending quality time with you. May that be our challenge, Lord, daily to, to follow you. Pick up our cross, Lord, and just die daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.